again, thank you for allowing us to be in your church. We're thrilled to be here. Uh, spending a day with the Lord's people is a great day, and that's a truth, and that uh, we are glad to be here. And uh, I told Brother Glenn, I'm, I'm, we're going to stay in contact to see how things are going, okay? We want to we stay in contact with you. Uh, the Lord's churches are precious, and God's people are precious. And if we're, we're privileged, it's real privilege to be with God's people on Sunday. It's a, it is. That, all right, Matthew chapter 2. I've, I've got a, a, a one on hell here that'll light fire under us, but uh, everybody here is saved. I, you know, you don't need a fire under you. You need encouragement in the Lord. And God has a way about him. There are no accidents. He took great care in presenting Jesus to the world. Great care. Okay? And, for example, when you get to the manger scene, uh, Micah chapter 4, verse 8, says that Jesus was going to be born in the Migdal Eder. That's Hebrew. I don't know a lot of Hebrew. The Migdal Eder is translated into English, the Tower of the Fold. Jesus was born in the Migdal Eder. Uh, and we, we've got a lot of mythology in the Christmas story that's not Bible. And uh, he was to be born in a manger. That idea is that he's in a feeding trough, literally in a feeding trough. And he's wrapped in swaddling clothes. Most of you know swaddling clothes are not for people. Swaddling clothes are for sheep. Okay? And so... Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes because he is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And he's the lamb without blemish and spot. And those shepherds in the field are the Levites that are there to tend those sheep, bring the ewes into the middle letter, into the tower of the fold until they deliver their lambs and inspect those sheep to be certified for the sacrificial system. And so when you get to the... The, the the shepherds, that's not happenstance. Uh, that That's part of the system. And God presented Jesus through the system. And uh, we you you listen to it on television, you think that, man, these, these uh, shepherds out in the field doing that, oh, they, and look what we find. No, 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 no. Jesus was the lamb and the symbol that they were to look for those shepherds was that baby in the manger wrapped in swaddling clothes, and that is the one. See, that's the idea. Well, <clears throat> we get to the wise men, and we've got another mythology to fight, okay? That's not Bible. But there were wise men, and they were magi, and they were, they were the most educated people in the entire world. Now, let me tell you a story. Most of you know uh, Nebuchadnezzar, okay? You've you studied your Bibles all your life. You know who I'm talking about. Nebuchadnezzar conquered the uh, by design, God's design, to uh, help straighten out Israel. And they were to pay tribute to Babylon and the Persian Empire. And Nebuchadnezzar, who, ro who ruled the civilized part of the world at that time, including Israel. And they didn't have the money or didn't want to give it. 
And so they had to pay tribute to Nebuchadnezzar. Well, the, the way they did that then, if they could make a deal, and they'd take people from that country who were the best they had and transport them into the Persian Empire. Daniel and those three companions of his were the best Israel had to offer. You go, when you get a chance, go back and read the certification process in selecting the, those boys. They had to have the physical qualities. They had to have the mental qualities. They had to have uh, acuities for languages and mathematics. And they went through an exhaustive examination to see that if they were good enough to take in tribute because when they went into to, uh, the Persian Empire, into Babylon, they were expected to uh, assimilate 100%. And David, Daniel did. His name, his Babylonian name was Belshazzar. And those three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abed, Abednego, those three guys were, were the best Israel had to offer. And they were inducted in to the honors program, the University of Babylon, if you will. Okay? The Babylonians had the absolute lock on the educational system of the world. That, that university at Babylon, you remember the Hanging Gardens of Babylon? You ever heard of one of the seven wonders of the ancient world? Fed by aquifers. You talk about engineering. They had mechanical engineers. They had uh, the uh, uh, engineering that, that, like, that moved waters, uh, whatever you call those. But they had uh, mathematics. They had languages. Folks, these were the most educated people in the world. And Daniel not only was there, he, he was the valedictorian. He wound up at the gate. Well, they were, went through the educational process. And then Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And it tore him all to pieces because he there's something going on here bigger than I am. Well, that's, a, that's, that's distressing to a, to a king like Nebuchadnezzar. There's something bigger than I am. And so he was challenged. And so it was. It frightened him. It frightened him down deep, and he went to his uh, wise men, his magi. Now, folks, they we, we have been told that they were all sorcerers and and uh, 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 all astrologers. No, there was probably some false religion in there, of course, you know. And and astrology is just false religion, but there was a lot more to it than that. They had astronomers, okay? That's the science. They had mathematicians. They had ling linguists from all over the uh, world, literally all over the known world. And they had those guys that were trained in, in, in uh, engineering and all of that. And so they were, they were the ones that were looked to for the technology of the day. And there was, they were quite advanced. And in fact, they were advanced for our era. And we don't give the ancients very much credit for being advanced, but they were, you know, oh, well, we're, we're not the better for it. But anyway, they, he had that dream, and he went to the wise men to get an answer. Naturally, they couldn't do it because God was in it. You know, he can't figure out God. And so uh, he uh, passed an edict. And he, if you look at Daniel with me just a moment, I'll show you a couple, three verses, give you an idea of what's going on, really. 
Look at Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. Look at 11 through 13. It'll give you an idea of what's going on. It is a rare thing that the king require, and there is no other that can reveal it. Remember, he got, he got a problem bigger than he is. Uh, and there is no other that can reveal it. And before the king, uh, it before the king, except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. This is bigger than I am. All right, now verse 12. For this cause, the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. All right, the problem is he's aggravated enough to take us out. Well, Daniel got wind of it, naturally. And so Daniel got his three companions and they went to the Lord in prayer. What a strange thing to do. God, they're going to kill us. We need to know what you want, you know. And so what did God do? He gave him an answer. And so he got the sergeant of the guard or the... Uh, whatever they called him at the gate, and he was had direct access to Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, now, now listen, don't, don't, don't start killing these wise men. You, you, these are the most educated men in the land. You're going to need these guys. And it, if you're going to have a country, you've got to have, you've got to have some smart people if you're going to run things. And so he said, uh, tell the king that I'll bring him the answer. And he did. He went into the king and said, now look, Daniel's got the answer to your problem. Uh, I want to bring him in. He said, well, all right. So Daniel gave, came in and gave him the answer that God had given him through prayer. And uh, and so turn over to, to uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse uh, 48 and 49. You'll see what happened. This is a great story. I like to preach through Daniel. The problem is there's some of it I don't understand. But uh, look, uh, verse... Uh, 48-49 And the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel was given the wise men. They owe him everything. Nebuchadnezzar was going to kill him. And so now here Daniel placed in charge of them and he is, they. why would they listen to him? Well, they owe him their very lives. They better listen. Now look at verse 49. Then Daniel requested of the king and he said Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon and Daniel sat in the gate of the king. He number one. Nobody comes into Babylon without going by Daniel, all right? And so here, he is in charge of the wise men. All right, now let's go back to Matthew and the Christmas story that took place probably three to six months after the birth of Jesus. The Lord's already been moved. And you remember now, we're, we're, we're guessing about this three to six months. My daughter laughed at me when I gave her the story. And I said, wait a minute now, there's some Bible for this now. The... Uh, Roman ruler decreed that anybody six months and younger were to be killed. And so it was in that time frame that uh, it would, it wouldn't make any sense. And so, oh, oh, you know, 
Bible to, to talk about Bible. And so uh, here the, we see this story uh, start to uh, take place. Look at verse uh, t- chapter 2 of Matthew. And it, it makes perfect sense. And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Now you know why. This is Daniel's legacy, 500 years. You know what Daniel did when he was placed in charge of the wise men, don't you? Well, he told them about Christ. He did everything he could to lead them to the Lord. You know he did. He explained to them the prophecies. Well, Daniel's the prophet. Of course he's going to talk to them about the Lord and give them all of these prophecies that Daniel knew. And he... I'm saying to you, I want to present to you that Daniel led a bunch of those guys to the Lord. And the only possible reason these guys would show up at the birth of Christ is because it was he belonged to them. He belonged to them. God saved them. And Daniel's ministry is vindicated here. Of course the wise men are going to show up. Of course this Babylonian empire that had ruled for so long with such strength uh had some wisdom behind it. Daniel at the gate, those three boys running the provinces, those wise men trained at the highest level of the world's uh, ability. And so here we are saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Why? The Bible says this, no man seeketh after God. No man seeketh. These guys looking for God. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his right. What's that saying about these guys? They're saved, folks. These guys have been saved. I know they're Gentiles, and I know they're not worthy of it, but how many of us are? And so here they are, headed to Jerusalem. All right. Where is the uh, king of the Jews? And so, boy, we have seen his star in the east. Remember, they are astronomers. This is not astrology now. It's not false religion. There was a real star. Folks, this is not a, a allegory or some uh, uh, pie-in-the-sky romance. This, this, this is history. This is what happened. And, king, and he said, and Herod, the king, had heard these, their, uh, these things. He was troubled with all Jerusalem with him. The wise men weren't troubled, but boy, this king was. And the, and the people in Jerusalem were troubled. Uh, not God's people, but uh, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together, he demanded of them where the Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for the, thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people, Israel. Folks, that shook that old Roman governor down to his shoelaces. Here he is, his whole bailiwick is threatened. I'm a politician's politician, and here I am being threatened by another king. And so Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared, And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when he hath found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Nobody here believes that. 
okay? Because he's lying. And so he has got a problem. And when he had heard the king, when they'd heard the king, these wise men from Babylon now, they departed and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Folks, the reason, another reason we know that these guys were saved is because of what they're doing. Uh, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, his righteousness, and God will see to it you've got everything it needs. you need to honor Christ. That's what that verse means. If you find, if you seek what God has, if you the only way, the only uh, uh, context in which lust is used in a positive sense in the Bible is for what God has. Because if you want what God has, you'll pay the pay the uh, respect it takes to get something from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so, uh, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with his mother Mary, and they worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. God rerouted them. Don't go back. Leave, leave Herod out of the loop. Uh, he's not one of us. And these fellows... Now, one of the interesting parts here, I'm going to go get to the part that I really like. Folks, they worship. That means they were on their faces before God. They saw Jesus. They, folks, this is not a fairy tale. They knew who they were going to see. We are going to see the king. They knew. Now, these three gifts. Now, the wise men saw the wonder of God in the creation. That's not a surprise. Romans 1.20 says that you can identify the person of the Godhead and the things that are made. Okay, the problem is men have people have enough uh, in, uh, knowledge to condemn them, but not enough light to save them. But people need Jesus; He's the light of the world. What you knows, all that's going to do is condemn you. Until God knows you, you, you don't have no you have no hope. And so they uh, they responded to God's presence in an appropriate way. They're on their knees before God and on their faces. They relied on biblical prophecy. They believed the prophecies that Daniel taught them, and they were evidently saved. You know how well, I know they were saved? Not only did they worship God, they brought the appropriate gifts. And the most compelling part of the story is God accepted it. Lost people don't serve God. They serve his purpose. Lost people don't serve God. They just don't do it. They don't have the ability God can't accept their services. You can't work your way to heaven because that's not the way of salvation. And so um, they resolved to offer praise and they brought those gifts. The wise men stayed the course with because of the light of heaven. Folks, the light of heaven is not the star. Jesus is. It was his star. They were not troubled like those without wisdom. Jerusalem was tore all to pieces. The Romans were all concerned. The people knew the scriptures and they quoted them, but it didn't do any good. The people did not seek the Savior. Only the wise men did. Of course, they were wise. You know, they knew Jesus. Herod was threatened by a new king being present. He interrogated them, got no satisfaction whatsoever. He instructed them and they ignored him. Folks, the king has no control over God. 
God was in charge. They, he, he couldn't do a thing. He was as helpless as he could be. The wise men saw the glory of the child's presence. The rest of them were unconcerned. They didn't come to see Jesus. They weren't concerned about it. They, they started on their journey by a star and they stayed the course. They stayed the course because there's no place else to go. I mean, where shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. This, they succeeded in their quest. You know, lost men don't serve God. Seek ye first is a, an admonition for people who know Jesus. Folks, lost people are not going to go find God by quest. I know John Lennon and that bunch back in the day when I was young, they decided they were going to go India, to India and quest for God. Yeah, folks, you don't find that God finds you. He came to seek and to save those who were lost. You don't find God. God finds you. Folks, I was lost and God found me. I didn't have any enduring qualities. I just don't now. The only good... Paul said, in my flesh, that is, in my body, I find no good thing. I don't have one enduring quality that God would want me. Why would God want me? God honors Christ and the blood of Jesus cleanses for all sin. And the reason he takes us is to honor Christ. One of the most important things you're going to hear today is this. We are not saved for our sakes. That's a lie. That's a lie. We are not saved for our sakes. I know God cares about us. And I know God provided for us in eternity past. I know all that. But folks, the reason he did it is to honor Jesus Christ. We're to the praise of his glory. He didn't save us because we're good enough or smart enough or have something to offer. He saved us because Jesus deserves to get glory. We're saved for his sake. We're not saved for our sake. That, you know, you won't hear that on television. That turns people away. They want to be important. Man, look at me. God saved me. Look at here. No, no, no. That verse over there, I've got you by the... All right. He said he hadn't taken many righteous, many strong, many noble. Uh, God can save anybody. We know that. But he's pleased to take the foolish things of the world and confound the wise. So what's our claim to fame? I was so foolish, nobody wanted me but God. Folks, there's no praise for man in that. It's all for Jesus' sake. We're not worthy. We're unworthy. And I'm not getting any better. If it weren't for Christ, I'd have no hope. He's the only hope I have. Folks, I'm not getting good enough to get saved. Things are not getting better. I need Jesus. He's the only hope of God. Well, the wise men sacrificed as they brought the offerings and the love of the offerings they were appropriate for the person being worshipped first of all gold that's fit for a king he's the king of kings and lord of lords I don't have to sell that one frankincense you remember the temple uh, in the in the in the tabernacle for that matter they burned incense the, the frankincense the incense, and it was it was a picture of of the perfect life that Jesus lived under the leadership of the Holy Spirit before God. His life was a sweet-smelling savor. That incense was pleasing to God because it reminds us, it reminds us of the perfect life that Jesus lived, something we couldn't do. If it hadn't been for him, we'd have no hope. Folks, a couple of years ago, Helen and I were listening to television. This is, I'm bird-walking, but pay passion with it. It's a, 
and there was a Catholic priest on television, and he was asked, what is the meaning of Christmas? And he said, that's when God came to give us a chance to save ourselves. You couldn't be more wrong. I mean, if you got down and how can I make absolutely the biggest mess out of grace possible? That would be it. I've got an opportunity here by, by chance to save myself. Folks, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You're not going to save yourself. All the good intentions you can muster, all the money you can get, all the good family relations you can affect, all of the fine things you can do for your neighbor, all the wonderful intentions you have, those will not endear you to God. Folks, repentance and faith. God looks on a broken and contrite heart. I'm lost on the road to the devil's hell to have no hope. The only hope I have is Jesus. And Lord, I'm not going anywhere else because that's all there is. That's all there is. That's too simple. People reject that. There's got to be something I can do. Folks, there is nothing you can do. There's nothing there. They testified to his sovereignty and his purity and gold. They testified to his sacrificial life. And they testified of his shameful death on Calvary. Myrrh is what Nicodemus took. What, 65, 70 pounds? It's all a man can carry. About the size of a soldier's pack and he took that to prepare the body of Jesus and that myrrh was there for a fragrance to prepare the body and you, in order to get the uh, perfume you have to crush it it's a picture of the sacrificial death of Jesus on Calvary those those presents were totally 100% appropriate for the circumstances as they worshiped they brought the right Christmas gifts and the reason we know that these men were saved is because God accepted their sacrifice and their service. If they had been lost, they would not have been welcome. They wouldn't have been there because they wouldn't have been concerned. They were warned of God to go home another way. And they went home rejoicing. Why? Because they'd been with their king. They went home joyful. As sure as, as we're standing here, Really wise people are those who come to Christ recognizing they have no other avenue. There is no hope but Jesus. They seek his fellowship. Folks, there is no fellowship in Jesus without the blood of Calvary. And themselves completely to his will was not a problem because he's a king of kings and the Lord of lords. They were there for one reason. They loved God. And David and Daniel's legacy was manifested in their presence. His ministry, you see, Daniel was gone, was sent as a trophy from Israel to Babylon. He never went home. He died in Babylon. But he died doing what God asked him to do. And his legacy is complete because the wise men, 500 years later, Show up to worship Jesus. Who knows what God will do in your life. And when the return comes, it'll astound you. Because most of the things that really count, we're not even aware of. That's awful sometimes. That bothers me. I hope I've got something. But I don't have a claim to flame. If I've got something, it's by grace. If I have nothing, it's what I deserve. God, please don't give us what we deserve. 
Amen. Now you know what was going on with the wise men, and you know what's going on with the shepherds. Folks, none of it was by accident. It was there on purpose. God took great care in presenting Jesus, his son, to the world. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need.